Now, this passage doesn't say knowledge and wisdom, but if you look at what it's talking about here, you hear the word, that's learning the word, that's knowing the word. Somebody tells you this is what God says, then you've just learned that. You just learn, okay, this is what God wants me to do. And if you do that, you hear it, you understand it, but you don't go out and apply it. Uh, James says there's, it's like someone who looks in a mirror, sees the way he is, sees that you know, his face is messed up, he has chocolate all over his face, and he's only half-shaven, his hair is all messy, and says, oh, wow, that's terrible, and then walks away and doesn't do anything about it. That's the kind of person you are. What's important here is that we not only hear the word, but we do it. Not only have knowledge, but we apply wisdom and do what God wants us to do. So having knowledge does not necessarily mean you have wisdom. So I talked about this. This lesson is called, What is Wisdom? Let's answer that. What is wisdom? Point two here. So how do we get to that? Well, the, the, this, you know, I kind of gave a definition. Of wisdom is putting knowledge into practice. But what is it in, in the Christian life here? So first of all, wisdom finds its existence in God. Wisdom starts with God. We can't go anyplace else and find true wisdom. Uh, a couple of verses. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. Another reader. Lynn, go ahead. So here we have wisdom, understanding, knowledge all in the same passage, which is kind of cool. We just talked about that. Uh, but by wisdom, the Lord founded the earth. So when did the Lord have wisdom? This was before the earth was even founded. Wisdom dwelt with God, right? This is before anything was created. God already had wisdom. Wisdom starts with God. Before any of us existed, God had perfect wisdom. Uh, look at another passage, Proverbs 8, 22 through 26. Another reader. Ted, go ahead. And this uh, chapter 8 is wisdom being personified and talking. And at this point in the passage, wisdom is speaking and saying, the Lord possessed me wisdom at the beginning of his ways, before anything else. And it goes through and talks about some of creation. And it continues on um, after these verses talking more about different parts of creation. But before anything was created, God had wisdom. And God had perfect wisdom. It was by his wisdom that he was able to create everything the way it is. Um, so, so wisdom starts with God. One more passage, Romans eleven thirty three. Who would like to read? Bethany, go ahead. Nice and loud. The depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, it sounds like that God has an abundant store of wisdom, right? Uh, Dr. Dan talked about in his passage all these superlatives that were added on. This is kind of the idea here, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. So where does wisdom start? Wisdom starts with the Lord, starts with God. 
And if we want to find wisdom, we need to start there by knowing who God is and what his will is. So what is wisdom? Wisdom finds an existence in God. Second thing, wisdom, and this is going to surprise everyone, I'm sure, is the opposite of foolishness. Does that surprise anybody? Okay, good. Um, so it's the opposite of foolishness. I'm just going to read a couple verses out of here because, again, I, I listed verses where wisdom and foolishness uh, are often paired up in Scripture here. Uh, Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, there's, there's one side where uh, the fear of the Lord brings knowledge and wisdom, but the fool, who's the opposite, doesn't accept these things doesn't look for the fear of the Lord, doesn't accept that knowledge and wisdom. Um, Proverbs 14.33 there, Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. So here there's even a difference between the heart of a wise person and the heart of a fool. They're opposites. They're, they're on different lines of the spectrum here. Uh, again, like I said, there's plenty of verses in Proverbs. I don't think this is even a full list. A few in Ecclesiastes that uh, give a comparison between someone who's wise and someone who's foolish. So the opposite of foolishness is wisdom. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Let her see there. Okay, now I'm going to need a reader. Job 28, 20 through 28. Nathan, go ahead. And so we could use this uh, verse in point A also because it talks about that where is wisdom found? Well, it's found first in God. He's the one who possessed it. He even says by, by his wisdom he uh, made the rain work the way it does and the thunderbolt work the way it does. And, and it took wisdom to do that. Uh, but then in verse 28 it says, to man, how can man know this? And if you look at the beginning of the passage, it sounds like, well, it's really hard to find wisdom. Uh, is hidden from the eyes of the living, is concealed from the birds of the air. Nobody has it, so where do you find it? And the answer is wisdom is, starts at the fear of the Lord. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord in just a little bit. Or actually, that's what we're talking about now. I lost my place. Um, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and depart from evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, again, we're going to see that it's connected oftentimes with this idea of departing from evil. And that's connected with wisdom, because if we know what's right, we know what's true, we know how to make the right, true, holy choice, it's going to lead us away from evil and lead us to choose the good thing, right? So they all kind of go together here. Um, another passage, Psalm 111.10, another reader, Matthew. So the beginning of wisdom, again, starts with the fear of the Lord, and it goes on to say again, kind of like the last passage, a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. If you're doing what's right, you understand. You know 
what the right choices are. So wisdom and understanding going together and the fear of the Lord and doing what's right. Uh, Proverbs 9.10, Olivia. Here it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and then the knowledge of the Holy One. So knowing God and fearing him seems to be what brings us knowledge and, and wisdom. And then Isaiah 33.6. I saw someone else raise their hand over there. Go ahead, Lizabeth. So wisdom and knowledge, knowledge will be the stability of your times. This is what's going to keep you in place. This is what's going to keep you solid in life and on the right path. And then at the end, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. How does this happen? It's by the fear of the Lord. That's what the treasure is. So what is the fear of the Lord? This is a tough question. You get different answers from different people. And there's kind of, uh, let me give you the, the word here. And like Dr. Dan, I don't like to use Hebrew a whole lot. Uh, but fear here, I gave you the Hebrew word, it's yada. Uh, it means fear or terror. You can see definition two there is a terror, an object of terror. And then definition three is fear of God, reverence, piety. So you have these concepts, and oftentimes you'll get two answers for what is the fear of the Lord. Is the fear of the Lord actual fear, actually being afraid, actually being terrified? Or is the fear of the Lord having to do with being in awe and holding him in reverence? Well, I'm going to answer yes. I think it's both. Um, so first of all, fear or terror. I think there is a fear or terror that belongs in the fear of the Lord. And part of it is that I know that there's consequences to the thing I do. That's a wise thing to understand. Um, why, why do people not drive wherever they want on whatever side of the road they want? Um, why do they not you know, crash through people's yards. A lot of people would like to do, drive like that, right? Well, part of it is there's a fear of consequences. There's a fear of actually being injured if you're on the wrong side of the road. There's a fear that if you drive through somebody's yard, the police are going to come and find you and say, look, you were on somebody else's property. You need to pay for that. So there's a fear of consequences. Um, the same is true with us. That's a wise thing to understand that God takes account of our actions. That even as Christians, we will stand someday before God and have to give an account of what we've done. And understanding that, may say, you know what, I don't want to do what's wrong because I don't want to face the consequence God has for me. That's not a bad thing. A verse that talks about fear is Hebrews 10, 30, and 31. Bethany. Here specifically is talking about consequences. Vengeance is mine. What's vengeance? That's paying somebody back for something they've done, right? And God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And then he also goes on to say, the Lord will judge his people. He's not saying the Lord's going to judge unbelievers or sinners. He's going to judge his people. So there, there's consequences. There's a fear of, okay, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. He could be taking vengeance on me for something bad I've done. He could be judging me for something bad I've done. And then verse uh, 31 here says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Well, how is it fearful? It's because there's judgment there, because there's consequences. Because God is sovereign over those things, because God is in control of these things, and he's going he's gonna to have an account be given to him of the things we've done. And so that's a fearful thing, standing before a holy, righteous God and saying, 
God, this is why I didn't do what you wanted me to do. It's a fearful thing. But there's also an awe and reverence. And um, this is a little harder to think through a little bit because the Bible doesn't use awe and reverence this way so much because it uses fear. Uh, but looking at these verses in Proverbs here, uh, you can see that there's, there's a desire to know God, to reverence him, to worship him, to hold him in high regard. And that's what I think this is getting at here. So Psalm 34, 8 through 12. Uh, Judy, go ahead. And look at this, this passage talks about the fear of the Lord here, but it doesn't talk about the fear of God's judgment, it doesn't talk about fear of punishment, it talks about fearing the Lord in response to the good things that he's doing. Uh, it even starts out, taste and see that the Lord is good. See that the Lord is good. Fear him because he is good. Hold him in reverence. Blesses the man who trusts him. Um, it goes on to say there's no want for those who fear him. Fear the Lord because God provides for you. God gives you what you need. Hold him in reverence because of that. Um, you don't lack any good thing. Um, and then verse 12, who's the man that desires life and loves many days? God is the one who can give us life, who can extend our days. And it, it, the idea here is if we're fearing him, he can do that. He will do that. And so it's, it's for reverence for the good things that God has done and awe for what he is doing. Uh, Proverbs 2, 5 through 6, another reader. Caleb, go ahead. So here, you fear the Lord, and, and the results are knowledge, understanding from God. That's a good thing. That's not something to be afraid of. That's nothing, something to be terrified of. That's something to say, oh, God's so good that as I fear him, he gives me a knowledge of who he is and understanding of what he wants me to do. Uh, we can hold them in reverence. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. 5 and 6 are probably very familiar. Go ahead, Nathan. Three benefits there when it talks about fearing the Lord. He's going to direct your past. Uh, he's going to give health to your flesh. And he's going to give strength to your bones. These are good things again. These are not things to be terrified of. These are things to be thankful to God for, to be uh, hold him in awe and reverence for. So I think both of these are true. That fear can mean being afraid, and there's good reason for that. But fear is also being in awe of who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, so the, the fear of the Lord, we understand, begins with understanding who the Lord is. That's the fear of the Lord. So what is wisdom? Wisdom finds its existence in God. Wisdom is the opposite of foolishness. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Uh, wis, uh, what is wisdom? And I put this in here. Knowledge seems to precede wisdom. Ephesians 1.17. Must read. Lynn, go ahead. 
And, and so if you look at this verse, the knowledge of him seems to be something that's, that actually precedes the wisdom and understand, you know, wisdom and revelation here it talks about. So the first thing, you know who God is, and then you develop wisdom by knowing who God is and what his will is for you. So that seems to be a logical, and if you think through it, that's, that is logical. You need to know the truth before you can apply the truth. You know, need to know what's right and wrong before you can choose what's right and wrong. So knowledge does seem to precede wisdom, which tells us that we need to know God. We need to find time to understand who he is and what he wants for us. Um, one last thing here, wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. So this is my definition. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge applied rightly. When we take knowledge and we apply it in the right way, that's what we're looking at. James 3.13. Okay, we'll go ahead. So, who is wise and understanding among you? The person that's showing good conduct. The person that's doing what wisdom indicates to do. That uh, it's a person whose works are done in meekness of wisdom. Your actions show that you're wise. If you have a lot of facts and you don't do it, you might be a smart person, but you're not being very wise. It's by doing what you know is true, what is right, that makes you wise. So wisdom is knowledge applies rightly. Um, point three here, and we're making pretty good time. How do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? I, I found four definite ways in the Bible, and I'm, there may be more here, but these I think are good ones to start with here. So how do we get wisdom? Number one, we ask for it. Isn't that nice? We can ask for wisdom. Um, I had a birthday recently. Um, I actually asked for some things for Father's Day, and I gave them a long list, and they didn't get everything on there. So when I got the birthday, I got more stuff that I asked for, which was awesome. Um, so you ask for stuff, you can get it, right? Well, God wants us to ask for wisdom. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. Somebody read. Jonathan, go ahead. So what does it mean to cry out? What does it mean to cry out? I'm not asking for... Yeah, yeah, this is just to cry out, to, to speak out, to say, I want discernment. It's something I desire. Please give me discernment. What is, uh, and, um, what is lifting up your voice? The same idea, right? It's saying, I want understanding. I want discernment. I want understanding. And then if you seek her as silver, you search for her as hidden treasure, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Well, who does he give wisdom to? The people in verse 3 who are crying out, who are lifting up their voice and asking for it. The Lord wants to give wisdom to us. For his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we need to be asking for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8. This is probably... If I said you need to ask for wisdom, this is probably where most of you would go to. Um, who would like to read? Eric, go ahead.
up. I don't know. I, I think that was a misplaced there. Um, yep. And I was wondering where that went because when I was, I was uh, formatting my notes, all of a sudden one of my points disappeared and it's gone. So I retyped it in apparently with different words. Um, and that's apparently where it got cut and pasted to. So you can cross it out. Um, here, I want to look at verse 5 for a moment. We're going to come back to 6 through 8 in just a second. Um, but if any of you ask, lacks wisdom, what does the Bible say you should do? Ask God. If you lack wisdom, go to God, ask for wisdom. And what does it say God will do? He's going to give it to you, and not this, you know, not just a little bit, so that, okay, you got a little bit, you better ask for more. No, he gives it liberally. He gives an abundant amount of wisdom. Um, and without reproach, it will be given to him. There, there's no, God's not going to say, well, you should have been wise already. Why have you been so foolish all along? And now you're asking for what? No, God's willing, and even more than willing, he really, 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 and I know you put extra superlatives on that makes it less powerful, but you get the idea. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants us to come and ask him of it. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 and 10. Bethany, go ahead. I pulled in this verse because not only can you ask for wisdom for yourself, but guess what? This is Paul's doing. You can ask for wisdom for other people. So we can pray, hey, I pray that everybody at Northridge Church would have wisdom. That's okay. You can do that. God wants us to pray for wisdom. So a couple points on this. Um, there needs to be a desire to receive wisdom. In fact, it, it, it looks like from Proverbs 2, 3 through 6 that not only do you desire to, but you're going to put the work in to find it. So it's not just that you ask for wisdom and God plops it in your head and you're all of a sudden a super wise person. You've got to put some work into it. But if you ask and you're willing to put the work in, God's going to give it to you. Um, there is an acknowledgement that wisdom comes from the Lord. Um, I think we read Proverbs 3.19 already. Ecclesiastes 2.26. Who would like to read that? Are you raising your hand, Olivia? Or is your hand being raised for you? So God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. Um, the idea that wisdom comes from God here. Daniel 2, 20 through 22. Go ahead, Matt. So, here it starts off by saying wisdom and might are his, and then it goes on to say that he 
gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So God is the source of this. God is the source of where our wisdom comes from. Ephesians 1.17 says that our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Again, God would be giving this to us. So we see that there needs to be a desire, the desire to receive wisdom. There is acknowledgement that wisdom comes from the Lord. And number three, there must be faith that God can give wisdom. This is where we go back to James 1, where it talks about that, you need, that if you ask for wisdom, you have to ask in faith. You have to believe. And it says here, without doubting, and it gives this idea of the, the ship that's tossed to and fro by the storm. Um, and if you're not asking in faith, you shouldn't suppose you're going to receive anything from God. So there has to be an element of faith in asking also. You need to desire it. You need to work for it. You need to acknowledge that it comes from God, and you need to have faith that God will give it. So how do we get wisdom? We ask for it. How else? By submitting to the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 1 through 3. Nathan. Dr. Dan pointed out in the passage he was reading that certain words were capitalized, and that helped us to know who the passage was talking about. You notice in this passage, uh, there's several words capitalized here, rod, branch, and then a lot of hymns, right? So this is talking about Jesus Christ, and it talks about that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, which is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So where do we get wisdom? It's when we're submitted to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our example in this. Uh, but it also talks about this for us, too. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13. Who would like to read? Ted, go ahead. So the Spirit who's from God, that is given that we might know, first of all, the things of God. And then also, you see by application, Paul is saying, I speak in wisdom, and not in man's wisdom, but wisdom that the Spirit of God teaches us, comparing spiritual with spiritual. So you see here that both knowledge and wisdom of God and his, who he is, what his plan is for us, what he desires us to do, his commandments, come because of the Spirit. Um, Daniel 5.14 um, and this is a testimony from Nebuchadnezzar. So even the, the evil king Nebuchadnezzar recognized something here. Um, he says here, I have heard of you that this spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So Daniel had a reputation that he had understanding, he had wisdom, but he also had a reputation that the spirit of God was dwelling in him. And that was the reason why it came about. So to, by submitting to the Holy Spirit, we can have wisdom. Um, letter C here. How else? How do we get wisdom? From God's Word. Colossians 3.16. Who would like to read? Judy, go ahead. So here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
Um, this is not just from casually reading the Word of God. This is by submersing yourself in the Word of God, by letting the Word of God dwell to live in you, and that by that, God will give you wisdom. Um, so we need to be putting work into knowing God's Word. Second Peter three fourteen and 16, another reader. Jonathan, go ahead. So this is one of the passages oftentimes that's used to talk about how uh, the Scripture talks about that the writings of Scripture is Scripture, um, the proof that the Word of God is the Word of God, because it talks about here that Peter is addressing Paul's writings and calling them Scripture at the end here. Um, but if you look here, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, so what, what's in Scripture? It's wisdom. It's wisdom that Paul was given and given by God. So God's wisdom is there in Scripture, and we need to be in God's Word. We need to be submersed in it. We need to be spending time in it. We need to be knowing God's Word. And that's the only, uh, that's the only way we can figure out what God is like, what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, what's holy and unholy, that we can know wisdom and we can make right choices. So from God's Word... And then letter D, I put this in here because this, you'll see a lot of in Proverbs here, but listen to those with wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Well, listen to those who already have wisdom. Right? Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. Bethany, do you want to read again? So here, the instruction is to a son, listen to your father, listen to your mother, because it's going to benefit you. It's going to be helpful for you. Now, this is where I'm going to talk to anybody who is a child of a parent, but especially some of you younger people. Uh, and I, I can talk about this because I was back there at one point in time. At times, you think your parents have no idea. You think they don't know what they're talking about. They're making strange advice that you don't understand and you don't get because it, it's just not logical to you. Well, guess what? There's wisdom in what your parents have done because they have been there. And they're not giving you this advice. They're not giving you this instruction just to make your life more difficult or to make you more unhappy or uh, so that you can't go out and do what you want to do. They're giving it the advice to you because they've learned over the years, they've acquired wisdom, and they want to share it with you. Now, sometimes human advice is bad because we're human and we make mistakes. But especially if you have parents that love the Lord, that love the Word of God, that spend time in it, that study it, that know the Word of God and are giving you advice based on the Word of God, you better be listening to that. Because God's given that to you. And we're going to see in a second, it's not just from parents, it's from other people. If they are wise people and they're giving you wise advice, that's a good source of wisdom for you. Learn that. Uh, a couple more passages. Uh, Proverbs 2, 1 and 2, we read already. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, again, a plea for his son to listen. 
Uh, Proverbs 4, 4 through 7, another reader. Bethany, go ahead. So he, again, this is uh, the author of Proverbs talking about his father, said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. There, it's a good thing to listen to people that have wise advice for you, whether you like to hear the advice or not. And, and you look at this plea here, get wisdom, get understanding, and he goes on and on. This is important. This is something that's necessary for you as a younger person Seek out wisdom, get wisdom, listen. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Do you want to be a wise son or daughter? Listen to your parents. That's what the Bible says here, right? Scoffer does not listen to rebuke, and they get in trouble, as you see in Proverbs. A couple other passages, Proverbs 5.1 and Proverbs 23.20, and then one more passage, Proverbs 19.20. One last reader. I know Caleb had his hand up earlier, so I'm going to give it to him. So again, this kind of a general, listen to the counsel, receive instruction. Someone who's wise, pay attention to them. They might just know what they're talking about. And especially if they love the Lord, especially if they love God's word, especially if they're doing what's right and living the right way, listen to them. And if you don't like what you hear, that's fine, because it might be something you need to change and you need to get right with the Lord. So how do we get wisdom? We ask for it. Submit to the Holy Spirit, we get it from God's word, and we listen to those with wisdom. Um, so that's my introduction. What is wisdom? Like I said, next week we're going to look at some practical applications of wisdom from Proverbs, uh, looking at different areas in life, and we'll do this over the next few weeks, and um, hopefully learn some things about God, what God wants us to do and the decisions we need to make. So any thoughts or questions before I close? I like to do this in Sunday school. We don't usually do this during the sermon, but um, there's not. Okay, I'll go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the wisdom your word offers. Lord, help us to be diligent. Help us to be uh, desirous. Help us to be believing that you can be the one who gives us wisdom, Lord, and that we would seek it out um, however we may, that we may make right choices and do the right things before you, that we may... Uh, be blessed by you, as your word says, and that we may please you in all things. Lord, we thank you for this time and this word. I know that this is just a, as much a lesson to me as anyone else, Lord. And uh, I pray that you would just help me to take the words that I talked about and just uh, put them into practice in my life, Lord. Uh, we do uh, thank you for this time together, the fellowship we have in Christ because of his sacrifice for us. Uh, we pray that you'd help us to walk in an upright and perfect way before you. In Jesus' name, amen.